And if you're uh, new here, we hope that uh, you'll find this place comforting and showing God's love, and uh, it's good to see all your faces. Um, I also wanted to send out a thank you for everybody who helped with the field day uh, last week. We, uh, we gave away, I don't know, 100 or 200, I'm not sure if 200 is, ex is an exaggeration or not, but we gave out a lot of snow cones, and we had some kids in the bouncy house, and it was a perfect day for a parade, and, and it was just nice to be able to welcome people, talk to people, give them a snow cone to cool the kids or cool the adults. And um, I think something that some of the parents that came by appreciated most was that we, we had the restrooms open for them, so they had somewhere to stop on their way back to the car or in between or something. So we, uh, we always think that that's something that, it's one of those small things, but it's a way that we can serve. So thank you for everybody who helped out with that. And we also hope that uh, everybody has a great Father's Day today. Um, it, uh, it made me think of a dad joke. Because <laughs> you know I'm good for those. But it, it had to do with wisdom. And it said, wisdom is, also, is always chasing you, but don't outrun it. Okay. And it made me think when we were singing about your goodness is running after me in that, in that song, that if we're not careful, we may outrun that too. So just slow down and let it catch up, right? What a blessing that'll be. Had to throw that in. It wasn't an eye-roll dad joke, but my wife did roll her eyes when I started saying that. So, <laughs> But that's fair. That's fair. So we hope you have a good Father's Day. And uh, don't outrun the love that someone wants to show on you today. So uh, we don't have a whole lot of announcements today. It's just one of those Sundays, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But... It did make me think that we have missionaries that serve the church in places overseas, living in different cultures, in, in a language that's the primary language isn't their own. And we would just ask you that if you'd like to help us support the ones that we have focused on, specifically the Whites, the Masseys, and the Schlegels, um, they work, uh, I know the Whites, well, you're not really supposed to say, so... I won't say, but they're overseas, and you're not supposed to talk about it online because, you know, they're not supposed to always be there because they're a missionary. They're there for a job that is uh, the official reason, but we know God has other plans. So if you'd like to help support those, you could designate an amount on your offering and just write missions next to that number, and then that will go specifically to support them. So just something a little bit more focused on that today. Uh, as well, we appreciate your tithes and offerings. We can't do uh, things that we do for our community and for the Lord here in his house uh, without your faithful support. There are drop boxes by the uh, entrances and exits, um, so feel free to drop something in there, or you can do it online, and the instructions are there. And who's reading scripture today? Mike? Mike's going to bring scripture to us, and then uh, Paul Detmer is going to bring the word. Thank you. morning. I'll be reading from Luke 15, verse 11 to 20. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and then he squandered all his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, sorry, and kissed him. Thank you, Mike, for reading the scripture and reading it with your heart. Sometimes when I get to preaching and God touches me, sometimes the tears will flow because I feel it in my heart. I never want to apologize when God gives it. I never want to put it on. I want to be genuine. I believe that's what God wants us to be. I had a man tell me one time that he wouldn't come to my chapel services when I was serving as chaplain because sometimes when I preached and I felt something, the tears flowed. And I said, that's your choice, but I am who I am. And uh, I thank God he wants us to be genuine. Um, I thank God for all the fathers here. Uh, I'm going to do two things. First of all, if your father was a Christ follower, and you knew your father was following Christ, I'd like you to raise your hand. How many? Okay. Thank you. I had that too in my life. Now, how many fathers do we have here today? How many fathers? Okay. Thank you. I honor you today. What a job fatherhood is. My dad had seven of us children. I remember the first impression I had of my father was in church, Nazarene Church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, we had two sets of pews. My, we were on where the pastor's speaking, the left side, up in one of the first rows. And I was so little, I was standing on the pew, the side of him, and looking up at my dad while we were singing. And my dad had his hand raised to heaven with tears of love flowing down his cheeks. 
and I have never been ashamed of my dad or of his tears. He was genuine. I had a good, no, I had a great Christian father. And I thank God for his influence in my life. When I ministered at the Psychiatric Center and Addiction Treatment Center, it reminded me as I counseled with many people, not everyone has had a good Christian father. And so I know Father's Day can be tough for some people too. But I thank God that he is the kind of father we always wanted to have if we didn't have a good Christian father. And he loves us, and he wants what's best for us, and he wants so much to bring healing and cleansing to our lives that he gave his only son for us. What a father, what a savior. Well, I'm glad to be with you again today. I preached a series of sermons entitled The Father's Passion for Prodigals. God's Passion for Prodigals. And this was one in the series. I thought it fitted this Father's Day. Uh, Today's uh, father is not well known. When I preached my last sermon here was on Mother's Day and I preached about an obscure mother Jochebed, the mother of Moses, and when we left and my wife and I got in the car and we were driving back to Ogdensburg, she, uh, she said after the service, now you preached about an obscure mother, are you going to preach about an obscure father? And I thought, I'm not thinking of any at the moment. <laughs> I thought I might wear my uh, Phillies cap I grew up north of Philadelphia and was a big Philadelphia Phillies fan. And I might quote the lineup they had in 1964. I can still quote it. I was eight years old when Jim Bunning pitched a perfect game. But I looked over that message and it just didn't seem right. And then I thought of this one that, w that is entitled Praying Parents and Prodigal Children in need of a miracle. Praying parents and prodigal children in need of a miracle. If you struggle with prayer sometimes, and you struggle in your concern for lost and hurting children, I've got just the guy for you. Don't worry, he's not a historical saint. He's not a famous praying disciple. He is a father, a parent, with a problem-ridden son in need of a miracle. If you have your Bible, I invite you, or can follow along on the screen perhaps, uh, I guess not on the screen, but just from my Bible, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Jesus had just taken Peter and James and John up to the top of the mountain and was transfigured before them. Remember, his clothes became exceeding white. Wow, the disciples must have 
been in awe when Jesus prayed and everything in his appearance changed. He was connecting with his father. And they came down from that mountain after having seen Moses and Elijah. And I I imagine maybe even the disciples' faces were a little bit uh, (laughs) sunburned from the glory of, of seeing Jesus transfigured. And they came down the mountain and this scene takes place. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed. I wonder if Jesus still had a a little glow or something. The people were overwhelmed when they saw Jesus uh, with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about with them? Jesus asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought, my, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. It's almost I hear a sigh in Jesus' voice here. (sighs) Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw The boy into a convulsion, he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Quite a scary scene. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything Take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and dumb, or deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And some translations add, and fasting. 
If there's a problem you can't overcome, if there's a child you're losing hope for, this message is for you. I want you to notice with me the prayer of a hurting father. We don't know his name. The scripture, he's so obscure, the scripture doesn't even mention his name. But this father is talked about in the book of books. This father at the base of the mountain of transfiguration was waiting for Jesus to come down because he had a a son who had a deep and terrible problem. He loved his son, and he wanted his son to experience deliverance. And notice with me the prayer of this hurting father for his son. First of all, he prayed about a deep problem. His son, his only son, was demon-possessed, possessed by an evil spirit ever since his young childhood. Makes me think of so many people today that are oppressed by the enemy. Sometimes they can be oppressed by a, a, a spirit or even possessed by a spirit. Sometimes they can be possessed by an addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography or any number of things. So many things hold people in their clutches, so to speak. So many today are oppressed by the enemy. But we know why Jesus came. To break the power of the enemy. And Jesus comes down the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He prayed about this deep need. Not only was he demon-possessed, his son was deaf and mute. He couldn't hear his parents. They never heard their son whisper, Daddy or Father. His son was not only possessed by the Spirit and not able to talk and not able to speak, he was dangerously epileptic. In Satan's little plan book, I have a, some little plan books and little books I record my mileage in as I travel. In Satan's little plan book, there was one word written over this boy's name. Destroy. Look at verse 21 and 22 again. It says, when, it's, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the, mo- at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Satan had that one word over this boy's name, destroy. 
However, to really think about it in reality, Satan would love to destroy our children too. He'd love to destroy their faith. That's who he is. John 10.10 reminds us of the bad and of the good. The first part of the verse says, for the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, doesn't it? But then Jesus said, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, Jesus wants to come and bring healing and cleansing and fill that void in the life with meaning and knowing its creator and savior. The second thing I notice about the prayer of this hurting father is he prayed out of desperation. What a challenge. he and his wife had. They couldn't leave this son alone for a minute. Because the evil spirit would try to destroy him, either try to throw him into fire or into water and drown him. The enemy just wanted to destroy. These parents, I can't imagine how exhausted they were not even rest for a minute, so to speak. Sometimes, you know what it's like, we get that way as parents. I told this story this week to someone, and uh, my wife knows the story. We had five young boys, and uh, we had had a rough week as Anybody here ever have a rough week as a parent? (laughs) We had a rough week. If we corrected those five boys once, we corrected them 35 times. And we were both exhausted. Saturday came and my wife said, honey, there's some yard sales over in Lock Haven over the mountain. Can we take the car and put the boys in the back and go over? And I know you want to study this afternoon for tomorrow's mess. I said, yes. We'll go. So we went over and we stopped at a number of yard sales and got the boys out of the car and back in. We're going up. She said, honey, there's one more up here. Can we leave the boys in the car? (laughs) You feel for my wife, don't you? (laughs) I said, yes, honey, we will. I gave the boys uh, firm direction. They had to stay at the car. And her and I took hands. She said, I just wanted some time alone, just a few minutes with you. So we walked into the yard sale, and we're looking around the yard sale. All of a sudden, I heard the woman, whose yard sale it was, say, look at your boys. I'm honest with you, I didn't even pick up my head. (laughs) I knew whatever they were doing, they were doing something wrong again. I didn't even want to look. I just looked down at what I was looking at. And she said it the second time, look at your boy. So I knew I had to look. I turned and looked. 
And the three oldest ones were sitting on the tailgate, holding the two younger ones right between them. She said, they look like little angels. I thought, oh boy. <laughs> Lady, if you knew. <laughs> Parents sometimes feel that way. They're in a desperate situation. They're at their wit's end. And that's the way I felt that day. I went home and was working on my sermon that Saturday afternoon, and I added the illustration of what just happened that day. I was preaching it on Sunday morning, and while preaching the sermon, and while telling that illustration that sometimes we feel defeated and trying to be good parents and trying to... And sometimes we're just at our wits end. And I never got to finish my sermon. People started getting up out of their seats and coming to the altar and over on this side and over. And God came and met us. I'm glad he knows what every person is going through. Amen? I'm glad he knows what every father is feeling, aren't you? I'm glad he knows what every mother is going through. And these parents were at their wit's end. And what does he pray? Notice in verse 22. This father prays. But if you can do anything, He's really desperate. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Why does he pray? He's tried everything. Everything else has failed. And notice even the nine disciples who were at the bottom of the mountain couldn't drive out this evil spirit out of his son. This poor father has tried everything. And when does he pray? When he's at the end of his rope. Listen to his prayer again. But if you can do anything, doesn't sound very confident, doesn't it? If you can do anything, if you can do something, we'd pray. Doesn't sound very courageous. You know, sometimes we as parents aren't either. I wasn't very courageous when that lady said, look at your boy. I just, <laughs> I didn't want to look. Sometimes we don't feel very confident. We've prayed for our sons for a long time. And sometimes the enemy says you might as well give up. But I want you to notice this. Listen to the prayer again. He says, if you can do anything, have mercy on us and help us. And I believe there is one verse in the Bible that gives us hope. It's Psalm 102, verse 17. It says, he, meaning the Father in heaven, God, will regard the prayer of the destitute. 
and will not despise their prayer. He heard. The Father in heaven heard. This was a poor prayer, by the way. If if you can do anything. But the Father in heaven heard. Last thing I notice about this prayer of this hurting father, he prayed amidst his doubts. This was a poor prayer. If you can do anything, Jesus challenges us to faith. He says, have faith in God. If you can believe anything, everything is possible for him who believes. One word can make a huge difference in a prayer. The father prayed, if you can do anything. What if the man would have prayed, since you can do anything? Jesus does want us to pray in faith. But aren't you glad Jesus had time for this father who had some doubts and confusion and had tried everything and nothing? Aren't you glad he's patient with us when we don't pray perfect prayers either? Jesus didn't give up on this man. What a Savior we have, church. Now, my wife and I are still praying about some prodigal sons we have. But I'm glad Jesus has not given up on them either. And it encourages me not to give up. Amen. He prayed, and nothing seemed to happen, but he hung on, and he prays one more thing. If you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. That's my word for the year, possible. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, this is his last line of his prayer, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He was honest. When we pray, sometimes we think we are poor prayers. Lord, I don't Pray for my children like I should or for my grown children like I should. We're tempted to wait to pray until we know how to pray. And since we'd rather not pray than pray poorly, we don't pray or pray as fervently we should. It's a good thing this man didn't make that mistake. He prayed the only words he knew. And he said, Lord, I believe all I can, but I have a lot of questions and doubts. Help, help my unbelief. This man prayed in plenty of pain. 
You've prayed in pain already, haven't you? I'm not just talking about physical pain, but pain in your heart, pain in your spirit. This man prayed in plenty of pain. And you know what? The power that came was not because of this man's eloquence in prayer, but just because he was crying out for God's help from his heart. He was crying out in the pain of his spirit. And the power, my friend, is not in our prayer, but it's in the one who hears. And when Jesus spoke, he said, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And of course, the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground and they thought he was dead. But did did you hear what the scripture says? But Jesus took and lifted him by the hand. And he was epileptic no more. He was possessed by an evil spirit no more. He was no longer deaf. He was no longer mute. And I can imagine just about that time, there's a father who wrapped his arms around him and held him close, don't you? When Mike read our scripture today, we read about the story of the prodigal son. That story has always impressed me, and that's where we get the word prodigal from, and we pray for prodigal sons or prodigal daughters. But did you notice in that story that Mike read for us, particularly verse 20, the son had left and he was away for an undisclosed amount of time, months, years maybe. The other older son who stayed home mentions years. But the son goes off And we read about the son gets involved in wild living, then he goes to feed the pigs. There's a famine in the land. But I grew up on a farm right alongside of the road. And I can imagine that father goes out every day. He knows his son is gone, and he knows he's searching for everything in this world has to offer. And he comes to the road before he goes across the barn, and he He has a father's heart. He looks down the road every day for his son. And he crosses that little road like our farm was right aside the road and goes into the barn. And I have a sneaky suspicion. In that barn, there was a prayer corner. And he prayed every day. Father, I, I'm not a 
a perfect father like you. I've made mistakes. Oh, I could name some, but Father, I know you've got to hold my heart one day, and I don't know where my son is, but you know where he is, and I'm praying you will get a hold of his heart. And the tear fell on that straw. And he prayed day after day, and he did what we need to do, keep praying and never give up until the next day he comes out whenever it is and goes to cross the road and he, he almost steps in the road and he steps back to a little higher and he sees him coming. Remember when? When he was way, way, way down the road. And he ran. And threw his arms around him. And hugged him. And remember the boy, I can see him kind of pushing him away. Father, I have sinned against God and against you. And I'm not worth. He never got to finish, did he? His father says, bring the, what kind of robe? best robe, the finest robe, and put it on him. You know, Satan lies to prodigals, too. He, he says, you've messed up. You can't be forgiven. You can't be a follower of Christ. You've messed up too bad. You'll never have God's best again. And the Father says, bring the finest robe, Right? And of course, the sandals for his feet and a ring for his hand that signified he was a son again. I'm so glad that God knows our hearts. If you're a, a father who is praying for children, for prodigal children, or for prodigal grandchildren, you know what I'm saying? Don't give up. You were. That's right. Don't give up. I can't give up. You can't give up. We have to keep praying. But if you're a prodigal, Remember the love and the prayers of your father, of your grandfather. And when you hear God's spirit, just say, come. Just come to him. And let him receive you and cleanse you and forgive you and make you his child. And my best advice to you is, do it when he's alive. <laughs> See, in my father's case, he was praying for one of my brothers who was a prodigal, my oldest brother, and he, he prayed for years. I was in the pastorate in western Pennsylvania and came home for Thanksgiving one year, and 
I might have shared part of this story before and came in and mom said, Dad isn't here, he's down at your oldest brother's. I said, oh, okay, he'll, he'll be home soon. Oh, yeah, he'll be home soon. And my father came in and he said, I was just at George's. His, my brother was named George too and my dad was George Sr. And he said, he's coming. I said, I know, he's coming. No, he said, you don't understand. He's coming. I said, yeah, he's coming for Thanksgiving. No, he's coming. He's going to get saved. This preacher said, you're talking about my brother? (laughs) But my dad had a father's heart who was praying and believing that with God, everything is possible. My dad died two days after Easter. We went to the funeral. My mom and my oldest brother and his wife were the last ones to view the body before they closed it and then took it from the calling hours in the vestibule of the church into the church. When my mom got up there, she reached in and got my dad's Bible and turned to my son, or turned to my brother George and said, son, this has your name on it. Daddy would want you to have it. And I heard my brother say, Sometime later, it was then the Holy Spirit started to get a hold of his heart. And just a few weeks later, a dear family friend, a relative of ours, came to my brother and said, George, don't you think it's about time you pray and give your heart to Christ? He said, yes. Now that brother is in heaven. And so my encouragement is, do it now. Do it now. Let's bow our heads as the worship team comes. And Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and how honest it is Sometimes we feel our prayers are poor. We feel we don't pray the right words. But the power is in the one who hears our prayers. And thank you, Lord, that you see our inner cry. You see our cry in pain. You see our cry for mercy on our children. our daughter-in-laws, or our sons, or son-in-laws. And God, thank you that you can do something wonderful. I know heaven is rejoicing today that my father and my brother are there, his son. But God, it's so good when we see you get a hold of some sons on this earth like this desperate father's epileptic and demon-possessed son
and you give us victory now so we can rejoice together at what Jesus has done. Would you help that praying parent not to give up, trusting and believing that you can do anything? You can bring victory to that lost child. And if there is a lost child, Lord, would you help them to sense the love and obey your Holy Spirit when, when you tug at their heart and say, come.